This is a special episode release as I sit and chat with my cousin Daphne Aladin Delva, Vice President of the Sickle Cell Anemia Association of Quebec. Daphne and I discuss her journey through life, living with the disease sickle cell. Told by doctors that she wouldn't live past the age of five, let alone 15, Daphne is here to share and educate us on what it's like living with the disease as well as her near-death experience. I am proud to say as a wife, mother of three, and sickle cell advocate, Daphne has beat the odds and continues to strive to make sure she lives life to the fullest. Today, I wish you a happy birthday, Daphne, with many more to come. I love you. Now let's get to this episode. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned, you might learn some things. Disclaimer, information shared on this episode is for education and informative purposes. It is based on the experience of one individual and should not be replaced with counsel from your own medical provider. Be sure to always conduct your own personal research. All right, listeners, we're back with another episode. This is a very special episode for me. I have my cousin slash sister here, Daphne, stemming from Canada, Montreal. Daphne, what's up? Thank you so much for being on She Discovered Podcast. I'm so happy to finally be here. Yo, you took some time, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did take some time, but you're here. You're here. So, listeners, you're going to be graced with a beautiful French accent on this episode, all right? But this episode is dear to me because we are talking about the topic of sickle cell, sickle cell anemia. If you haven't heard of the term or of the disease sickle cell anemia, you may have come across the disease in relation to R&B and hip-hop celebrities, such as T-Boz of the all-female group. TLC and rapper Prodigy of the duo Mob Deep. Unfortunately, Prodigy passed away due to sickle cell anemia complications back in June 20th, 2017. Not to confuse the condition of sickle cell anemia with being anemic, here is the breakdown. Having sickle cell anemia or having sickle cell disease is the most common blood disorder that affects the oxygen capacity of the red blood cells. In sickle cell, the hemoglobin S is the dominant hemoglobin which makes the red blood cells hard, sticky, and exhibits an abnormal sickle shape like a crescent. Normally, the red blood cells are round and flexible so that they can move through the small blood vessels of the body easily to provide oxygen. These stiff cells clog the blood vessels and block oxygen blow to the body, which now the sickle cells also break apart easily, causing a low red blood count or anemia. 
So Daphne, based on you having this the disease, sickle cell anemia, based on what I just read, how can you help my listeners understand it a little bit better? Because sometimes we do confuse sickle cell anemia with someone just being anemic. How would you show a person the difference between the two? It was so accurate. Everything you said, I'm like, you don't need me no more. I go. <laughs> But, um, okay, the difference. Uh, but just like you explained it, when we talk about somebody that's anemic, we're talking about missing some iron. Mm-hmm. Contrary to sickle cell anemia, which is really a genetic and hereditary uh, disease mm-hmm. uh, that affects your blood cells, your red blood cells, like you mentioned. So somebody that's just anemic, it could go away. Basically, it could be taken care of just uh, depending uh, what they eat and whatsoever. With the iron. Exactly. But okay. somebody that has sickle cell anemia, you're born with it. And unfortunately, you're going to die with it. You know, mm. it's just, it's there, it's in your, bo- it's in your blood. Uh, it's not going to go away. And, and also, the pain that goes with sickle cell anemia is something really difficult to explain. I've... I remember you explained it to me visually and maybe you could do the same thing Mm because in relation to the pain, there's a way that you described it on because the cells are not flowing to the body properly and because they're not shaped correctly, they're shaped like a crescent. When it does move through your body, there's a pain that that arises. I remember you explained it to me like in the sense of like a tube or I forgot how you explained it to me, but maybe visually. Uh, So visually, if I would think about it, basically, let's say you're on a highway and it's during rush hour. Uh, There's traffic going on. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that traffic, in the middle of the rush hour, you have a car that has an accident. So therefore... Everything is blocked. Nobody is moving. When you're having a crisis, that's basically what's going on. It's mm-hmm. because the red blood cell that's not properly shaped, that's sickled basically, are blocking the way to the other cells to go through. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the oxygen is not going through. So there's a lot of pain uh, that's related to that. And to describe the pain, um, one way that I found to better describe it and maybe have um, people to better understand it, uh, you know when you hit your elbow, Mm-hmm. Okay, like really that painful your, uh, pain I that think you they get. Call it your funny bone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it hurts for what? Two seconds? Mm-hmm. But for that two seconds, you're like, oh my gosh, what is that pain? It's painful. So imagine feeling a pain similar to that times 50 and that it lasts for a week long, so bad that you need strong narcotics to help you, such mm-hmm. as codeine, also uh, morphines, yes, all of that, mm-hmm. even fentanyl and everything. Mm-hmm. So really strong opiates to help you go through that pain. And the thing that I want our listeners to know why it's important to speak about sickle cell, because although we hear about the disease cancer, we hear about AIDS, we hear about um, even lupus. Um, matter of fact, lupus doesn't even get a much, much awareness, in my opinion. And although more and more people are learning about sickle cell, I believe it's still needs more awareness is specifically amongst the black community because although other races can get sickle cell it is more prominent with people with african ancestry and just to give us a couple of um facts and statistics here it says that sickle cell is prevalent amongst people of african descent of the three thousand 
300,000 babies born, 75% are in Africa, Caribbean, Central, South American, Indian, Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, Asian, Southeast Asian ancestry is what's more complicated or more associated with sickle cell. In the United States, it is estimated that approximately 100,000 Americans have sickle cell disease and about 2,000 are newborns that are diagnosed annually. Even though sickle cell may be considered rare in the United States, millions are affected around the world. So to just hear this, I'm like, why don't we talk about sickle cell more (laughs) often? We hear about AIDS. We hear about cancer a lot. It is important. I'm not trying to discredit those diseases, but I'm just like, man, if this is something that is this common, specifically amongst, you know, people of African descent, why are we not talking about it? I want us to go deep into your experience. I chose you to talk about this story because I feel like I am closely associated with it as well. Daphne and I are cousins, but we definitely grew up as sisters. Uh, We're nine months apart. We always tell this story that when, how did it go? When my mom found out she was pregnant, that's around the same time Daphne's mom just gave birth to Daphne. So we're exactly nine months apart. <laughs> so it's it's awesome. And we and we grew up as sisters. Although we lived in two different continents, we spent a lot of summers and winters together because our mothers are very close. Growing up with Daphne and seeing her, as a child, I did not understand what sickle cell was, but I knew this was my cousin who had an illness and that she was dealing with this illness. And it became normal to me to come during the summer and see you suffer with this. Um, You're going to break it down a little bit, but there are things that I remembered specifically. You could not go into the pool because the chlorine affected your legs. There are times that you had to be admitted to the hospital and I would stay in the hospital with you sometimes because I'm like, I want to be with you. So we would be playing, um, what's the game? Sorry. (laughs) I think it was sorry. We used to play in the hospital. Um, We used to play card games. And there were times I remember you were crying because your legs would hurt you wouldn't be able to move your legs you could not walk right um and there were times that you looked very dehydrated like Mm -hmm. you didn't have an appetite as a child and mind you we're young we're like eight nine Mm -hmm. ten i don't think it's until maybe our teenage years or late teenage years 18 19 20 that i felt like the illness gave you a little break that's right but as a child I I remember anytime I visited, there wasn't a moment that weren't admitted in the hospital. When was the moment that you realized you had sickle cell and what did that mean for you? Uh, It's funny because to me, in my mind, I had believed for a long time that the first time that I had a crisis was when I was about seven. Uh, Come to find out that was not the first time. That was the first time that my mind remembered. Even though my mom told me that my first time that I had a crisis, it was when I was nine months when my lips started to turn blue. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that she brought me to the hospital. And that's when she actually found out that I had sickle cell. Uh, But the first time that I had a crisis, we went to a trip uh, with the school and we went swimming. We went to the pool and everything. And on a way back, I started to feel sick and everything. They brought me to the hospital. And for so long, uh, like you mentioned, I can go t- into a pool because every single time that I would go to a pool, I will fall sick. I used to say that I was allergic to chlorine because that was the belief that yeah, I had. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, it, it felt like you were allergic to chlorine. So what caused it? It's actually not that. It, it, you know, it's funny because sickle cell, there's not so many people that talk about it. There's not enough research about it because we don't have enough 
opening up funds uh, and all of that. So there's a lot of information that we have to get from the patient or misinformation or whatsoever. So I even learn about my sickness every single day. Uh, so I was not allergic to chlorine. So what, from what I understand, uh, when you go into a pool, there's part of your body that's outside the pool and mm -hmm. part of your body that's inside the pool. Mm -hmm. uh, so your body is at two temperatures, okay? Mm -hmm. And also the cold, uh, the wetness on you yeah. and, uh, and all of that in your body is making it have a reaction mm. uh, which calls your blood cell to sickle and have a crisis. But it's not the actual... Uh, from what I understand, time doctors said... You should have, for example, if you're going to the pool, make sure it's shorter time and that your whole body, like maybe mm -hmm. just your head, uh, is out of the pool. And also, as soon as you get out of the pool, remove your bathing suit, change to dry clothing, Quickly. dry yourself and everything, because the change of temperature of your body is what is causing you to have the crisis. Now, listeners, this is the first time I'm asking Daphne about this because this is something we thought as children, she is allergic to chlorine water. So me asking this question and she's uh, revealing this to me it's new to me i did not notice but here's how it makes sense to me if there's two temperatures in your body our body wants our body is made to stay at one temperature right, right. so if one body is in the pool and it's cold and the other part of the body is warm your red blood cells are its job is to move throughout your body to keep it at one temperature. So if it's fighting, you already have sickle cell where, like you said, it's like a traffic jam. Yep. So if it's fighting to try to keep your body at one temperature and it can't go through, it makes sense that your body would go into crisis. Exactly. And just for listeners to know, when you say crisis, anytime you have a reaction or the sickle cell is now in a place of distress yes they would call it a crisis yep exactly that's when basically like you just said it is when the jam basically happened when the oxygen is not going through uh the veins all over my body and whatsoever and what it causes is that you can have pain in my case i had pain in my legs a lot or sometimes in my arm and for most of the time when i was younger when i had a crisis it was always let's say one leg or one arm mm. at a time as i became an adult mm -hmm. uh what happened is that I had two legs and one arm hurt at the same time. Mercy. And that was the biggest crisis I ever had. Because somebody with sickle cell, you're so used to the pain mm -hmm. that you find a way to manage the pain, to just concentrate yourself on the pain to make it, you know, go away. Because there's so much that the drugs could do for you. Mm -hmm. But when I had that crisis where I had my two legs and my arm hurting me, seriously, I, I called the, the nurse. I was like, I need to see a doctor now or mm -hmm. else just cut my legs because I can't take it. Mercy. Okay. Okay. Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So you were basically saying that that experience that you had was in your adulthood and you never felt that in your childhood. No, not that bad. Uh, I had pain. I had a lot of crises when I was younger. Um, and like you mentioned, there was a period of time where I had no crisis at all for a good almost 10 years and everything. But How come? 
it was it, so odd when I realized that you weren't, you know, you weren't being admitted to the hospital. You were sp- spending summers with me. I remember the first summer, not the first summer, but certain summers you spent with me as we're, you know, going into our teenage years, almost expecting for you to have a crisis, but you didn't. And for a long time, our summers, we were lit. You know what I mean? We were having fun. Didn't have to worry about it. And I think there was a time that we realized that you can go into the pool and nothing was happening to you. So describe that long period of time that your body didn't go into crisis. Uh, Funny thing is that my doctor actually called it a honeymoon phase. Uh, It happens sometimes. Like the sickness becomes dormant in a way for no specific reason. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I was doing better or whatsoever. It just happens that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we... Like, it doesn't go away. So you don't just uh, overcome uh, sickle cell anemia. So he knew it was going to come back, and he told me it was going to come back. And he did. And when he did come back, it came back stronger. Oh, so it came back with a vengeance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going to the pool, I guess I just tried it at one point because I was fed up of not being able to go uh, swimming in the pool with my mm-hmm. friends or whatsoever. And I didn't have a crisis. I guess my body uh, overcame that problem of you know my body being in two temperature and maybe i don't know my vessel is a bit larger that it made that the sickle oh, could pass grew. through and everything it could be so many different reasons um because i know i actually have a nephew that has sickle cell and him too right now he can't go to the pool mm. and he has a pool at home and every time i see him i'm like oh my gosh you're you going through exactly what i was going through as a kid and i'm like oh it's, it's just for a moment. Uh, it's going to be okay. And concerning a typical day, seriously, even though I did not have crisis to the point of going to the hospital, did not mean I didn't have pain. It's mm. just that the pain, it was something I could manage at home uh, different ways, uh, whether it's massaging my legs, whether it's taking um, painkillers, medication. medication that we have at home or whatsoever, or heated blanket, and, you know, manage, even to the point sometimes of crying and thinking, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. let me just sleep it off, and I wake mm-hmm. up the next day, and it's okay. Right. You know, but to go to the hospital, yes, for almost 10 years, I didn't go to the hospital, but after that, I went a couple times within the same year just as bad when I was younger and mm-hmm. the pain became stronger at that so point. So with a typical day, like you said, although you're not going through a crisis doesn't mean you didn't have pain, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the symptoms of the sickle cell disease is excruciating pain resulting when the blood vessels are blocked, like we said, preventing the smooth flow of the blood um, and oxygen to the body, right? Did you still have to take medication every day? Yes, I did. Okay. And I will have, uh, for now anyways, for the rest of my life. I don't like it. I don't have a choice. Uh, But yes, I will have all the time. Because um, there's medication that we take that helps our red blood cell not to sickle as much. Mm. And that's what we're we're trying to avoid, to avoid the crisis. And also the thing with sickle cell, without even the crisis, every little pain or every, even a cold, a cold for somebody that doesn't have sickle cell versus a cold for somebody that has sickle cell is different. Uh, a cold could become a pneumonia. Uh, pneumonia. Yeah. Now you good. Pneumonia, pneumonia and mm-hmm. everything. Girl, so, if you need to say the word in French, <laughs> say it in French. <laughs> I will translate. Okay. Perfect. So, yes, everything is uh, more at risk for us. Okay. Our system is weaker than somebody that doesn't have sickle cell. So mm-hmm. even for example, when I go to the hospital, I know that I'm going because the pain is really bad. I'm not just going to go for a little pain that I know I can manage at home because mm-hmm. just being in the emergency room mm-hmm. could be at risk 
for us of catching something else that not necessarily a body would be able to fight it as well as somebody else. Got it. Okay. You know, um, so all of that is to take in consideration. Okay. Growing up with sickle cell, even from childhood to adulthood, and we'll get into other elements um, such as um, pregnancy and child labor. We'll get into that. But emotionally, what did that feel like living with this disease? Lonely. Even though my sister has sickle cell also, first of all, when I was younger, in my mind, it was only me and her that had it. Mm. Because sickle cell, for some reason, is so taboo. People won't talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, people kind of become ashamed of talking about it. Now there's more information online about it. But then there wasn't so much information. If you don't find information to explain your sickness and people don't explain it to you, so you don't understand it yourself. So you yeah. don't know how to explain it to other people. Mm -hmm. And the thing with sickle cell, physically, when you look at somebody, some people, yes, they do have uh, different surgery that they had to do because of sickle cell. But apart from that, you look at somebody that has sickle cell, you, it's not written on their forehead that right. they have sickle cell. Right. So you have people thinking that you're pretending. Mm. Uh, you're faking it that you're trying to have uh, attention you mm -hmm. know attention seeking and uh, you're weak or whatsoever you have tendency to have lower energy also and sometimes some exercise could be harder for us because our bones are always in pain or mm. whatsoever there's a lot of stuff that it made me feel alone at time because I felt like I wasn't understood and the thing also about sickle cell, people think is rare. First of all, it's not rare. It's not it's rare. It's really common. Mm -hmm. And the thing why I believe is that when you think about cancer, there's not one specific color. And when you think about AIDS, it's not just white. It's not just black or Asian or whatsoever. When, when people think about sickle cell, is black people, they think. Even though it's mm -hmm. not only black people, but mm -hmm. it's mainly black people. They associate it with black people. And therefore, they care a bit less about it. I wasn't, I, I'm not going <laughs> to say it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> but it's but the truth. But you said it. It's the truth. And like you said, there's a lack of funding. Yes, definitely. Um, there's research. a lack of education, yes. research. So it makes sense because as I read earlier with the facts and statistics, it is, yes, other races can get it, but it's predominantly of people of African descent or even Southeast Asian ancestry or Asian ancestry ancestry and when we think of that india is in asia mm -hmm. indians are more melanated people right as well as other places in asia so it makes sense like you said that this is something that is not paid attention to so yeah i like that you mentioned that because we got to talk about the real you know what <laughs> i mean so emotionally um also when you go to adulthood you have to start working boyfriend girlfriends whatsoever and you you come to a point when you have to talk about your sickness because they affect your day-to-day -day life correct uh, i remember you know missing work time to time and having like my boss coming to me about it I don't, i'm not gonna go through this for a job like i'm sick i'm sick mm -hmm. to the point that i wrote the biggest email ever to my boss and sending uh, a bunch of information about the sickness and having a document signed from my doctor saying what the sickness is um, just to be understood like if I'm calling sick it's not just to go a day at the beach just because I'm sick in bed crying and in pain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know even though I'm not at the hospital mm -hmm. um so having to go through that is also hard because i guess compared to others that i know i'm actually been lucky you know because I, I know people that lost their jobs or that can't work because they constantly in the hospital mm. uh sick and whatsoever and also when you have friends and you know 
when you tell them you're not feeling good and you're having to explain why you're not feeling good or what is it or well, when people a lot of the time when you say to somebody that doesn't know sickle cell oh i have sickle cell the only thing uh, anemia the only thing they hear is the anemia so and they, they think you're there. just anemic yeah i'm like nah it's not that so they think oh it's nothing it's okay just eat that you know you'll mm -hmm. be okay take some iron pills and i'm like no <laughs> it's way more than that and you have to educate people mm -hmm. you have to educate it and that's what i've been doing for the past like 15 years you know is educating people educating people because i find it so important for people to know about it because mm -hmm. you know what is funny about that is that a lot of people has the sickle cell trait and i'm not even aware of it correct because i would assume they don't they don't do that blood testing in hospitals not everywhere okay. right now in canada do it because okay. uh the sickle cell association of quebec that i work with actually mm -hmm. we pushed through it uh with the government and everything to have it tested and that only thought uh, started in 2013 mm. but before that it was not done unless mm -hmm. you asked about it unless you had a crisis and found out the hospital afterwards while you're six years old or whatsoever because i had my first crisis at nine months but other people have the first crisis at six so, so it's different let's talk about that how can a person genetically be born with sickle cell somebody to to be born with sickle cell that means that you have two parents that has to trait. so for for them to be able to pass it down to you so that's the way you so um mother father both have the trait yeah and then they give it to the child yeah there's 25 so percent chance that they'll, they'll have a child that has the full-blown sickness also it's only t um 25 percent. yes it's not like a hundred percent that if both no. parents have the trait the child will get it no it's just oh. uh, it's a dice game oh. or it could be it could be a child that only has the trait or a child that has the sickness or it could there's so many different equations Variables. that is possible uh you know it's funny because i have three kids their dad has the trait he didn't know and they only have the trait mm, and they don't have the actual yes disease, and i disease. have the disease he has the trait so there was a good chance that they had it but it just happened that i have three kids that only has the trait wow okay so i see so let's say if one parent has the trait but another parent has nothing what are the probabilities then they'll never they won't have the sickness they only have the traits or nothing at all okay so it's only possible a, a good probability to have the disease only if both parents carry the trait exactly okay there's a lot of people because like i said we we try to control the pain and not go to the hospital so often because in a way, people with sickle cell feel that we maybe bother the hospital system too much. And if we stay at home while we're in a crisis, you have to think that the oxygen is not going everywhere that it should be going. Uh -huh. So at that moment, you are at risk of anything around you, any any wrong uh, virus around you to come through and affect you worse. Okay. So that's why when you get to that point, it is important to go to the hospital, especially for us for a fever. Mm -hmm. As soon as a fever um, gets close. Oh, damn it. You guys, it's Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit? Oh, you were <laughs> about to say Celsius. Yes. Um, okay. So Fahrenheit-wise, for us, a fever is anything above 100. Yes, which is 40 for us. Okay. Exactly. 100 is 40 uh, Celsius for us, but for somebody with sickle cell, 
if you get at 38, 39, it's not good. You have oh, to try. So it doesn't even need to get like in conversion for us in Fahrenheit. You're saying that it doesn't even need to get to 100 for it to be considered. You yes. need to take care of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So automatically, if you can't get it down, you have to go to the hospital. Because you don't know the probability of what may happen to you. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. And when you say that with how your job was not taking you seriously, sometimes your your friends or students at school not taking you seriously, it reminds me of us as women when we deal with our menstruation and people don't take that seriously, even till now, where people are just like, just take Motrin, just take a Tylenol, just take an Advil, when sometimes that's not enough. And everybody's, every woman's body is different on how her cycle affects her body with different symptoms. There are us that goes through hot flashes, you have backache, you have headache, some people vomit, some people have no energy at all, some people tremble, they get the shakes. Every woman is different. It's sad, I should say say um i think spain recently the first country to now say that they're gonna give pto time um personal time off for menstruation like in addition you don't gotta touch your personal days your sick days you have a specific bank that is called your menstruation um pto or your cycle pto whatever and i'm like how has america not reached to this stage as yet because for me sometimes I have to use my sick days if I really feel like I can't go into the office because my energy is low or I have a headache. And sometimes what they don't understand with our cycles, we're also going through hormonal changes. So our emotions, we don't feel like talking to anybody. Sometimes it, and sometimes it's funny, we have food cravings mm -hmm. too. It's like pre-pregnancy, yes. right? So, <laughs> so sometimes it's it's un, it's not understandable. And I have friends that deal with severe cycles where they're basically crippled. Mm -hmm. And to tell your boss, I can't come in because I have my cycle, sometimes that's even embarrassing, yep. especially if your boss is a man. Or even if it could be a woman, the mentality of just tough it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Take a pill or put a heating pad and come to work. It's unfair, right? So I love that you mentioned that even with sickle cell, you had to go through those moments of educating and explaining to people that this is not a joke. Your pain is not a joke. And it's not that you're making this up for attention. You're physically going through something. Very true. Very it's very real. true. It's very real. And it's very mentally and emotionally draining. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. You said you now transitioned in being an educator. So I love the fact that, like you said, for the past 10 to 15 years, you have been dedicating your time to educating people in Canada. And now you here in the <laughs> United States. It's not your first time in the United States. Like I said, we grew up to uh, with each other. You came here during summers and winters. But I love that now you're educating, um, you know, my audience that is here in the States. The work that you do, describe it to us because I am absolutely proud of you and Aww. the stuff that you do. So describe the work that you've been doing for the past 15 years. So I've been working with uh, an association that's called the um, Sickle Cell Association of Quebec. So it's basically... Uh, say it in French. Say it in French. <laughs> L'Association d'Anémie Falciforme du Québec. Woo! Yes! Okay, <laughs> yes. So Quebec is basically our... We call it a province, but it's basically the states uh, that mm -hmm. I live in. 
And what I do in the association of what I've done over the years is that we try to get uh, people with sickle cell together. Mm -hmm. uh, so we create a type of a community and everything. And it's not just for the patient itself, but with the parents, uh, if the parents want to participate and whatsoever. So we do different activities. Uh, like say, for example, for the kids, uh, we have camps. Uh, mm -hmm. where we go away for a weekend. We do that like twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, at Christmas time where we actually do a Christmas supper and we have Santa Claus and uh, we give them gifts and whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bunch of different activities that we do. We'll have um, doctors that'll come and do seminars and talk about the latest upcoming things, research or medication Ooh. and whatsoever. That's uh, also interesting. We have an annual gala that we do every year where everybody just, you know, put on the ball dress and whatsoever. And we just have a good time and raise money. We have different fundraisers. We just really get together. Mm -hmm. It's like a big family of people that have sickle cell mm -hmm. and we have different conversation. We, we work with the kids. Uh, we work with the teens and we work with the young adults also. Good. Uh, so we have different activities according to the ages. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just really nice because the way that I felt so alone before, I found uh, the Sickle Cell Association. As a community, as a family. Exactly. So afterward, I found it was so amazing that I wanted to give back my time to it so people don't feel alone. And that's what happens. It's fun when we have conversation, like, for example, when we have a roundtable with teens and they're telling us how that's how they feel, that's how they feel, and they found somebody else that felt exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. It just makes you feel better. Right. You know? Right, so. bringing people together. So I love the fact that it's both community, but it's both education. Yes. Like you say, you're raising funds. You're sharing with the parents because like you said, when your mom find found out that you had sickle cell, what was it like for her? Oh, yes. At that time. So if we, you know, the beginning of uh, the 80s, it wasn't talked about much. Mm -hmm. She heard about sickle cell in the past. But the only thing she remembered is that you won't survive past five years old. Mm. So automatically when she found out that I had sickle cell. You know, right after she, my lips turned blue and I'm nine months old, she's thinking, all right, I'm going to lose my firstborn. Mm. To see the evolution now of people, you know, already knowing from the get-go, okay, your kid has sickle cell. For example, that's the situation you could go through. That's the doctor that's going to follow your kid. So everything is being taken care of from the beginning to help those family and whatsoever. So it's a big difference from then till now. Til and now. the evolution is really nice. Because like you said, they said that you wouldn't see past five. Mm -hmm. And then there was a time where they said you wouldn't see past, what, 15, 20? Yeah, it changed over time mm -hmm. uh, to the point... I remember the most recent one was, it was 40 or 55, they were saying, and I'm getting close to 40 and everything. And I'm like, I'm still there. And I think I'm going to be there for a while. Yeah, you are. We, you are. <laughs> we, we claiming it. And, and I want us to touch on that, right? As we slowly wrap up with having sickle cell. I know one of the concerns is having kids, yeah. right? And like you said, you knew that you had the full-blown disease but you didn't know that your your boyfriend or the father of your first child had the trait mm -hmm. so how did you find out that there was a possibility that now your firstborn was gonna have sickle cell yeah that was oh that was uh special so as soon i always knew that it would be complicated having kids because they always told me 
So it was always in the back of my mind that it would be complicated, but that didn't stop me from wanting kids. I just knew that the time that I was ready or find out I was pregnant, I have to call the hospital right away. So that's what I did. And when I had uh, my appointment afterwards, so they were like, okay, so we have to test the daddy. Mm -hmm. And obviously, no, no, there's no dad in my family. No, no, nobody has that in my family to come to find out. He did have the trace. Mm -hmm. So now knowing that I had the trace, I mean, he had the trace and I had the full-blown sickle disease, cell, yeah. the disease itself. So there was a good chance that my daughter, my firstborn, would have it. I will always remember that conversation um, that I had with my doctor. And she was telling me, okay, what are the odds that your daughter, your kid is going to have it? Mm -hmm. And what is your option? Mm -hmm. So you could have a test before, mm -hmm. but... If you do that, there's a chance that it could cause you a miscarriage, the procedure of uh, trying to find out why you're pregnant. Okay. And also, let's say everything goes through and you find out that, yes, the kid does have sickle cell. You have the option of keeping the child or not. Hmm. And that was, to me, unbelievable. They have to give you the option of whatsoever. I don't understand. But in my mind, I was like, wait a minute. I have sickle cell. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's hard, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to tell me I couldn't, my mom could have just decided not to keep me if, you know, she had known by then. And I'm like, no, I have sick cell. I'll teach her the way. Uh, we'll, we'll get through it together. Yeah. So I didn't even want to know. Mm -hmm. So it's after she was born that I found out that she didn't have sick cell, that she only has the trace. Now look if you had followed the option of, you know what, this is going to be too difficult. Now, let me, let me not use a condescending voice right now. <laughs> I can understand how a parent could be like, I don't know if I'm mentally, emotionally, or even financially ready for this, going to the hospital, doing all these things. I get it. But what we want, what I want you listeners to understand is that imagine Daphne had said, you know what? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could do this and I don't want to deal with this. Um, and I'm going to abort my child. And I know abortion is a very sensitive topic, especially in the time that we're in. But let's talk about it. Imagine Daphne had did this and her daughter is here now, grown, beautiful, and all she has is the traits. Yeah. She doesn't even have the full-blown disease. No. You know? So I, I understand how that's a special story for you because, like you said, for for you to hear that, it made you feel, what if my mother did that? Yeah. I wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. So yeah. you felt like, no, if I was given a chance, I'm going to give my child the same chance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we're trying to say here. So once that happened and you realize all she had was the trait, if a person has a trait, they don't really show the same symptoms or go through the same things. Correct? Exactly. The We're still, there's actually still people that are like, oh no, you still feel some pains. But as far as we know, with the research so far, no, it, first, it won't develop into the sickness. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't have pain-related or symptoms related to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that you carry the trace. And if you go with a partner that also has the trait, mm -hmm. you can have a child that has the disease itself. So here's my question now. A person that has the full-blown disease or the trace, uh, the trait, now I feel like I need to go check to see if I have the trait because I don't know. You know, sure. I, I didn't take the blood work to test that. Do you think once a person finds out that they have the trait or if they know that they have the full-blown disease, do you think that now they have to pick their partners differently? Me personally, living with the disease and knowing that it's possible and there's evolution going toward 
more positive things and stuff. I wouldn't personally, but I've heard so many times in other countries, especially in Africa, where it, it was so taboo that people would be like, if you have it, no, I don't even want to date you. Wow. There's some communities that do work that way. That is their choice. Me personally, it wouldn't be mm -hmm. because I believe even somebody with sickle cell could have a nice life. Mm -hmm. It's not always the case. I've known people close to me that did die from sickle cell. Yeah. You know, working with a situation is something that I do see. And so I really feel lucky to be here. Even though it was at one point, um, I almost was not going to be here anymore. Right, right. But I wouldn't change a thing. And I want to talk about that as well. You did have a near-death experience. You had... Pregnancy and post-labor complications. Um, so before you tell us about that story, because I really want you to share that, because I know that was a very pivotal time for you um, when it came to your sickle cell, sickle cell experience. So for a person with sickle cell, what are the reasons that you might have pregnancy complications? Like, why is that such a thing that, okay, if you have sickle cell disease, here's why you should be careful about getting pregnant. Why? Um, there's many different reasons. Um, I'm still learning every day, but mm -hmm. one thing that I know, uh, for sure, for example, there's one thing, if you have a, uh, a C-section, so if you have a C-section, uh, even somebody that doesn't have sickle cell, you have a chance of losing blood. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So for us already, that is a risk. If we're losing blood already in our system, somebody that has sickle cell does not have enough red blood cell. Right. So not only the red blood cell that we have, they're not fully shaped up the proper way and uh, they're harder and um, the sickle than whatsoever, but we also don't have enough. Mm -hmm. So having to lose blood, too much blood while having a C-section could cause you, you know, to need some blood transfusion and whatsoever. So finding you in a situation that could be dangerous and deadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and also all the, how can I say, the, the work of the pregnancy, the being pregnant is a lot of on a body on a body exactly mm -hmm. is is doing so much effort so all of that it could cause you to have more crisis while pregnant Oof. and it did actually happen to me i did have one crisis where where i was hospitalized when i had my first daughter oh really yes. okay uh, so with my other kids, I had small crisis where I didn't go to the hospital, but my first daughter, I did find myself in the hospital. Okay. So all of that stress on the body could cause you more crisis and having more crisis and there's some medication that you cannot take mm -hmm. while you're pregnant to manage the pain. Got it. Uh, so it's a lot of complications. So, so with that said, it's more of what the pregnancy will do on the body during pregnancy and after, but it's not a case that you can't get pregnant. No, it's okay. not a case that you can't get pregnant. It's just more complicated and you have to be uh, follow up, uh, have follow up more closely. I remember with my last pregnancy, I had weekly appointments for the last four to five months. Mm-hmm. So compared to somebody that will have it every two weeks or every three weeks at mm -hmm. the end of the pregnancy, uh, mm -hmm. the last months. Okay. With that said, you have three beautiful children right now. Yes. Like you said, your oldest, your daughter, and then two boys after that. And, and praise be to God that you've gotten through these pregnancies. You've gotten through the post-labor. But one of your pregnancies post-labor was very scary for you. Um, and of course, it had to do in relation to your sickle cell. So can you describe that time for us? 
Yes. So when I had my uh, second pregnancy, where I had uh, my first uh, boy, that's now five, uh, four years old. Uh, so we were having an appointment closely, making sure everything is all right. And um, at one point, we were trying to figure out what is the best option, you know, going through uh, the giving birth. Knowing that I had a, six, a C-section with my firstborn, there was a good chance that I was going to have a second one. And after having my daughter, I did have blood transfusion because I did lose too much blood and my hemoglobin was too low. So therefore, they said that they were going to do uh, what we call iritaferes. Um, um, I'm probably saying it in French because I'm not like sure. A- a certain type of blood transfusion? Yep, exactly. Okay. So what it is exactly is that to avoid of having uh, too much, how can I say, sickle blood cell mm-hmm. in my system, mm-hmm. they did a transfusion that's called irritaferes. And what it does is that at the same time, so one arm from each arm, one arm is taking out 75% of my blood okay. while the other arm is getting some new blood. Got it. So in my body, basically... 75% of the blood, sorry, is not mine. It belongs Mm -hmm. to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And there's basically somebody that does not have sickle cell. Okay. So a better chance to have a nice enough uh, red blood cell in my body to avoid avoid complication after a C-section of losing too much blood and needing more blood afterwards as it had happened with my firstborn. Okay. So we did that probably about two weeks before I gave birth. Mm-hmm. And everything went well. We went in. Uh, I gave birth. I was feeling um, weak, not fully like uh, myself or whatsoever. Okay. And I just thought, okay, it's just... You know, the pregnancy. Regular, yeah. Exactly. Maybe it's a bit harder this time. My doctor's like, you're a bit older now, so maybe it's just, you know, stressing your body a bit more whatsoever. I stayed at hospital one week because somebody with sickle cell, we normally don't just go home after two or three days. We normally stay one week uh, in observation just to make sure everything is all good. Mm -hmm. So one week afterwards, I go home. And that first week that I stayed at home, I did not feel well still. I felt like something was wrong Yeah, with my body and whatsoever. Day to day, one week afterwards, I will always remember, it was a Wednesday. I came the Wednesday before home and the Wednesday after I told my husband, okay, I'm feeling crazy pain. Mm -hmm. I'm not good. Uh, I need to go to the hospital. They came. The ambulance came and got me. To them, I looked fine and everything, but I was like, no, I don't feel good. I'm in pain and the pain has been going up since I came back from the hospital. I haven't been well since. Uh, and it's not just the C-section or whatsoever. It's just really, it's a sickle cell pain. So we went to the hospital. Um, I had to fight to actually go to my own hospital because I don't live near uh, the hospital that I'm followed for my sickle cell. Mm-hmm. And the ambulance did not want to bring me. So I ended up releasing the ambulance service and mm-hmm. telling them, never mind, I'll take my car. Uh, I'll have my husband bring me because I'm not going to no other hospital that does not know sickle cell because till to this day, it's not every hospital that has a clinic for sickle cell patient or that even so knows need specific care. Exactly. Yeah. They, that knows the sickness or whatsoever. We got to the hospital and uh, they took care of me right away and um, they started doing tests and everything. And they put me on oxygen and they told me, we're actually surprised that you not out of breath that okay. you're breathing normal because somebody normal uh, there's something in our blood that's called hemoglobin mm-hmm. and somebody right. without sickle cell anemia uh normally the hemoglobin would be at 120 mm-hmm. and me normally it would be in the 80s and okay. it's normal for somebody with sickle, sickle cell. cell okay but at that time 
my hemoglobin was at 40. Wow, that's low, low. Yes, compared to 120 for somebody with sickle cell and compared to my regular, which is in the 80s, I right. was at 40. And I, I should have been out of breath to them. So right. uh, at that point, uh, they started doing some tests, trying to find to understand what it is. They wanted to do a transfusion, but they waited to better understand the situation. So what had happened is that I had a reaction to the transfusion that I had two weeks prior to giving birth. Mm. I was re rejecting the blood that I receive. You have to remember that 75% of that blood is in my body. Okay. So basically, I'm rejecting 75% of the blood in my system. That's a lot. Exactly. So at that point, they were trying to some ways to give me different type of medication to make the reaction go, which it, they call it anticor. So it's basically I'm rejecting the blood. And at one point, not only that I was rejecting the blood of the other person that I received, but I was also rejecting my own blood. So the whole blood that's in my system, my Your body... whole body was rejecting it. My whole body was rejecting it. I spent... 10 days in the hospital. So imagine, I gave birth, stayed a week, went back home for one week, a newborn is there. Mm -hmm. And I spent 10 days alone without my child with me because you come to visit, obviously, and everything. Yeah. But I mean, I just given birth. So you, I don't, spent, you don't have time to bond with your baby. Exactly. So I spent 10 days at the hospital, um, doctors fighting, fighting, and trying to make my hemoglobin go back up. Because what, what would have happened if it didn't? I die. My doctor, that's what he said. When it went back up, it went back up to 60. And it told me, we could let you go. It's safe for you to go home. But you're coming back, you know, for an appointment because I, I was becoming depressed. Uh, I couldn't stay. Uh, it didn't even make sense anymore. I was like, I want to see my baby. I yeah. want to hold him every day and be there with him, yeah. bond with him. And when my doctor finally let me go after I was at 60, even though it's not yet perfect and everything, he told me, I seriously didn't think you were going to make it. Wow. To me, it was it was over. Yeah. And that was a wake-up call. That was definitely a wake-up call. Like, I knew that sickle cell could one day, you know, take me away. But in my mind, I was like, ah, I'll be probably out 55 when they said that that's, you know, mm -hmm. the time, whatever mm -hmm. average of people passing from sickle cell whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But at that time, it was really a wake-up call saying, okay, it could happen anytime. But at the same time, after that, I was like, you know what, if it was to happen... It would happen at that time. So yeah. that's why I said before, I think I'm still here for a while. For a reason too. Yeah. For a reason because that was your second child. Yeah. And one of the reasons <laughs> is now you got a third child. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We had a lot of time at home for the past two years. So Oh, yeah. yes. Pandemic, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yes. So look at God. Look at God. You you have three children, and although they were complicated, how was your third pregnancy? Because the second pregnancy was scary, yeah. but how was your third pregnancy? Third pregnancy, I guess the doctors so knew what they had to do. They were on point. I had appointment like weekly appointments for mm -hmm. the last five months, four to five months. And they, they were like, okay, if this happened, we're doing this. If this happened, we're doing this. Even for the C-section, mm -hmm. instead of having one doc doctor open me up, mm -hmm. there would be one doctor opening me up, the other one closing me up right away, and they would do it like... They didn't want nothing Exactly. To they didn't want me to lose too much blood, to be there on the table for too long. So everything was so close. But my doctor told me, it's like, okay, I, I think we're done. Like, you're giving me, like, white hair. I can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I, I was done. So I closed everything up and everything, but it went so well. 
felt like the hospital team was so great and i'm grateful that i was able to have my third job i'm definitely done with that we're done uh, we're i think done. i got all the chance that i was supposed to have at this point well we're happy me as your sister your cousin i'm i'm grateful that you're here i always knew i don't know what it was although you had that scare and i wasn't in your body i just felt like it's not your time it's we not only that we need you here more i mean as a family member of course you're gonna be like it's not time you, you, you can't go but it's like i don't know there's something in my mind where i'm like you still have more to give those around you and you still have more to give to this world so i i just felt like it was scary yeah. but it was just like no god you're not gonna let this be the time you know so of course we're grateful for that and thank you for sharing that story because again you know like you said you had a near-death experience and um us being around you i saw how that affected you even afterwards even though you got better but it was scary like you said yeah. and again going back to the life expectancy look at t-boz that we mentioned right yeah. unfortunately prodigy prodigy passed away but T-Boz is older than us, mm -hmm. and she's still here, and she That's has right. her child as well, but she's still living with sickle cell as well. So I love how you mentioned that with more research, not only with research, but I guess with um, lab work as well, mm -hmm. with medications and understanding how the sickle cell works in the body, there's more things that could be done that the life expectancy expectancy does not have to be 40 or 50 it could be all right this is something you're probably gonna have to live with but mm -hmm. here's how we're gonna let you live this long life and manage it right? right so with that said with the life expectancy and living with it is there any possible cure for sickle cell i don't like that question <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you why mm -hmm. uh because obviously being a part of talking about sickle cell, work, working with a association and everything. Um, I get sent a lot of um, research or stuff that has been done. And some people saying there's a cure. There isn't per se a cure. When, when somebody say there's a cure, to me, a cure means that, okay, there's such sickness. If you have it, we could give you this medication or this procedure and you don't have it. Mm -hmm. So it's available to everybody. Right. And it's not the case right now. Mm -hmm. Even though, and I know somebody personally that was the first person that got it done in, in Canada. Uh, basically, there's a um, bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what does what it does, the bone marrow transplant, it basically changes your blood system. Oh, okay. Okay. So you need a bone marrow transplant. Normally, now is with time it is a bit different, but normally you can only get it from a sibling. So a brother or a sister. So if you didn't have a sibling, it would be harder, harder to have somebody compatible with you. Right. Nowadays, it is possible to have it from somebody that is not a sibling. Oh, okay. But it, it won't necessarily be perfect. It could be uh, rejected or whatsoever situation. And for somebody to have a bone marrow transplant is a really um, complicated uh, procedure, procedure to have. Mm -hmm. Not only for the person um, is that's going to give it is painful and for the person that's going to receive it, normally they have to be, um, how can I say, on lockdown for some time. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because they're going to be at risk of having catching some other virus type of, or mm -hmm. whatsoever and is normally they won't do it to any sickle cell patient it has to be a sickle cell patient that's really really in danger of that that has 
crisis, like monthly, regularly, that mm -hmm. goes to the hospital all the time. Mm -hmm. They won't just offer it to somebody that has, I don't know, two, three, or five crises. Not that it's not important, but the procedure is so complex that it's not available to every sickle cell patient. I see. So therefore, I do not call it a cure. That's why. Understood. Well, listeners, we gave you a lot today. We gave you facts. Uh, we gave you experiences. And I just, again, want to thank you so much, Daphne, just for educating us. Yes. And for sharing your experience with us. Listeners, I myself, now listen to me. Okay, 38 years of life, I've lived with this woman. And I never thought to go and see if I have the trait. I am going to find out if I have the trait, you know, just to educate myself. And I think it is important to also do the same thing with your partner. If you plan on having children, that is something to look into, right? To make an educated decision or just have an educated awareness of what is to come or what is possible with um, your child. Um, and I know there are other tests that people take to find out if their child is going to have Down syndrome or whatever and stuff like that. But I think it's, it's it's very important to do so. So if you haven't already, check out if you have the trait and go check out your blood type too. I realize I don't even know my blood type. <laughs> so I need to go check that as well. And um, if you know anyone that has sickle cell, the trait, or um, has the full-blown disease, I ask that you educate yourself more to be of aid to this friend, to this family member. Because again, it is not spoken about a lot. So it's true that people with sickle cell disease, if they're not a part of a community, they may feel lonely or they may feel people don't understand them. So of course, do your due diligence and educate yourself more about sickle cell. And thank you for just listening to this whole episode but before we go do you have any more any last words for us yes um i'm gonna add to the fact that you said for people to get tested definitely uh but also to give blood uh because one thing that i did mm. forget to mention one of the reason that i rejected blood the blood that i receive um is because it was not blood from somebody from my community most probably yes even though you said community you're talking about your race Basically, even okay. though we all bleed red, apart from having um, being a a b or o minus negative uh, positive, DNA whatsoever. plays a good part. Yes, because there's something under that that's called um, follicle, something under the just a b. This other small follicles. Uh, uh -huh. Can I say category? <laughs> Categories, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's other categories that that's really specific mm -hmm. to the black community. Mm. So to be even more accurate yeah. to your blood type, you need somebody from your community, preferable. It doesn't mm. mean that you cannot get some blood from somebody else. But in my case today, if something was to happen to me, let's say I have a car accident and I need some blood, yeah. it's to the point that I need a specific blood from a specific donor. Um, and that's what they have in reserve for me in case of emergency. That makes sense though. So it makes sense. give blood. Ooh, thank you for sharing that. Yes. So people, our melanated people, give blood to the community when you can because it helps our sickle cell um, disease patients. Like you said, she said it's not that she couldn't get it from other races, but it's a specific type of category that helps us of melanated skin. So the more blood that we give, the more that um, our other melanated skin patients with sickle cell can have a better chance of not rejecting these blood transfusions 
transfusions, which are very important to them as well. So again, thank you for listening. Daphne, thank you for joining in. And I hope as always you have discovered and have gotten some awareness while listening to She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.